It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I don't know, dog. I don't know. Um, no big prep, no notes on the game. We're just going to riff a little bit. Talk about uh, the 12-3 to loss, probably some big picture stuff as well. All today on Locked On Tigers. You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Thursday, July 6th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Helps me out, helps the show out, helps us grow a little bit. Uh, Today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Swing for the fences on Sleeper Picks, and you could win up to 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. All righty. Well, the Detroit Tigers, as I said, lost 12-3 to to the Oakland A's uh, at home. If you are watching on YouTube, you see the itinerary here is rather blank. And usually, if, if you listen on audio, that's great. I still appreciate you greatly. Uh, but we, we have a rundown over it on the, on the side of the show, right? And... Um, it's blank in this episode because I, I don't really know where this conversation is going to go. I don't know where it's going to take us. Uh, we're we're going to discuss a lot, probably a lot more big picture stuff. If we have time at the end, we'll certainly talk about some of the performances in this game if you really want to. But uh, I, I've said this a few times in my almost two full years coming up on two full years, around two full years as the host of this show. Uh, that there are some games and some performances, individually, offense, pitching, team, whatever, that are so bad there's really no analysis. Um, and that's kind of where this game falls into. Now, there's also some games that are so good there's no analysis. We haven't had one of those in a while. But this was this was dreadful. 12-3 to 3 loss. The Oakland Athletics are, I'm confident in saying the worst team of the decade. That's kind of where I stand. So in my eyes, from 2020, I almost said 1920, from 2020 to 2029, I find it hard-pressed. I I find it hard to believe that there will be a worse team than the 2023 Oakland Athletics when it's all said and done. They are on pace for a historically bad run differential. They have 63 losses on July 5th. Uh, They are absolutely dreadful. Um I think the the team that they're on pace for run differential wise is like the Cleveland Spiders. So if you're a baseball historian, like that was a team like back in the 1800s. <laughs> so they, they clear the 03 Tigers and whatnot. So I'm confident in saying of the decade, some people say of the century, some people say of all time, wherever you fall on it, there's zero excuse to get absolutely pumped by this baseball team like the Tigers just did on Wednesday night. After the seventh inning was over, it was nine to nothing, and the Tigers hadn't scored a run in 17 innings 
against the Oakland Athletics. Again, while being down 9 nothing, They got shut out in game one. They got shut out through the first seven innings in this game. Erod's first start back. We might talk about that later, whatever. It's... I, this loss really rubbed people the wrong way. Myself included. I think everybody included. I think it's really impossible to be a Tigers fan and not have this loss really, really, really uh, like resonate with you. I, I, I think that this was a... This was bigger than just like on the field, I think, to a lot of people. And part of that was because Scott Harris spoke... During this game, he went up, if you watched on TV, uh, they interviewed him, I believe it was the third inning, uh, in the Bally Sports booth with uh, Simo and Shep. So it was three or four to nothing, I want to say, when when he was interviewing with them, and it ended up obviously being a 12 to three final. And they asked him some questions, and they asked him a few softballs, just whatever. But at one point, they had asked him at the end... I think it was Simo to his credit. Uh, Simo asked him, you know, I'm sure you're tired of getting this question, but like, what else do some of these kids have to do? And his answer was, I don't want to say vague, uh, but it, it wasn't super direct. He did say that for some of them, he's looking for improvements defensively and specifically pointed out versatility defensively as to why some of the prospects in AAA aren't in the majors. Um, sure. That, that rubbed me the wrong way. Um, again, this, this I have no prep. I have no notes. I, I'm just, I'm very, very frustrated. I think a lot of people are, and I'm just going to go. Okay. So I, I hope that this is a, a good listen. I, I, I always do, but um it's one of those days where we're, we're just going to see what happens. The reason that it frustrated me was for a few reasons. Uh, one, this is a horrific offense. They won some games in May. Absolutely. They have gotten bitten by the injury bug in June. Absolutely. Outside of the nine-game losing streak, they actually went over 500 in June. You know how funny of a statement that is? Outside of the nine-game losing streak, they went over 500 in June. That's hysterical, right? You can't play that game. Um, But this offense is the problem, and it has been for the last two years. Last year, the pitching was kind of middle of the pack, bottom part of middle of the pack, like closer to 20 than 15. But low 20s in a lot of pitching stats. Not great, but able to keep a team's head above water. But last year's team had quite literally one of the worst offenses in the history of baseball. This team, again, just got shut out for 17, 18 consecutive innings to the worst pitching staff in the league. And to hear that the reason why some of them aren't getting their opportunity in the majors is due to the fact that, oh, we want to see if any of them can maybe develop into multiple positions or be better defensively is frustrating because the offense is the problem. Not saying it's wrong. Not saying it's right. Just simply stating that it is quite possibly the most frustrating thing I've that has ever entered my eardrums 
given the current state of the Tigers. Okay? Again, doesn't mean he's wrong. Just means it's frustrating. Okay? So, that was kind of where it started. And then it steamrolled into a bigger issue of, as the score kept getting worse, uh, it, it steamrolled into an issue of, when are they going to be ready? And this is a really, really interesting philosophical conversation about like how to construct a baseball team, how to handle prospects, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And, and I really, I think there's a ton of different angles here that are very, very fascinating to me. And, and I want to get into not necessarily the right and wrong, because it's been, if there was a, a bona fide 100% right way, it, it, every team would do it and everyone would win at some point, right? So there isn't. There's a million ways to do things in baseball. And, and I just want to attack how this is being approached and what we've been told has not been carried through so far in July. Okay, so bear with me. We'll get into it. Right after I tell y'all about our friends over at Sleeper. Are you using the Sleeper app for daily fantasy baseball? Because I sure am. If you want to 100 times your money on a daily fantasy baseball app, Sleeper is now offering up to a 100 times payout for up to eight pick contests. Choose as many as eight players that you like and pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats, like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and much more. Get your picks right, and you could win big. Entries can be made in 30 seconds or less. It's that easy, Uh, safe, and fast withdrawals. It is truly the best in the business. Use promo code LOCKDOWN, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's use for details. Currently operational over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in, making us your first listen every day. Thank you very much, even after a 12 to 3 loss to the Oakland Athletics. So I, I think uh, there's some wires being crossed here. Okay. Uh, back in the offseason, for those who have been listening since spring, I r- truly commend you. Not just because like, oh, you're supporting me and whatever. I will forever be grateful and in- indebted to you for that. Um, but this team has not really given anyone anything to like concrete to grab onto over the last seven years. And yet here I am and here you are talking about spring training games, right? So if you were there back then, I give yourself a pat on the back for starters. Um, but let's talk about the episode, the opening day episode, okay? If you weren't a listener back then, I'll give you the quick rundown. Basically, I had said that this year was the year of the audition. That is what I called it. And the reason I called it that was because that's somewhat, not exactly, um, but somewhat what Scott Harris had said over the offseason. He had made a comment about one of the most valuable things that this organization has is playing time to young players, right? And that he wants to earmark, 
That was the big word. Everybody had to look up what earmark meant. He had, he wants to earmark at bats to young players and truly talked about it as an asset, right? Like this organization has something that others don't. And that is the ability to give opportunity to a bunch of different people and see who takes it and runs. And so I was under the belief that that was true. And I was under the belief that uh, this year truly would be the year of the audition. And when talking about players that uh, the, wi- the the wings, that the Tigers had uh, let go or chosen in free agency not to sign, et cetera, et cetera, that the water would find its level. And even if you disagree with me about like how a certain player was going to do, right? Like Nick Maton is one that always jumps out at me. Uh, if there's, you know, you're listening and you're like, oh, like I, I think Maton is awful. And, or you're listening, you're like, I think that kid's a future all-star. Wherever you fall, uh, by the end of this season, we were going to have a much clearer picture of what the future looked like because all of the players that struggled were going to get filtered out and replaced by young players so that they can earmark at bats and get opportunities to them. Uh, that has not been the case whatsoever. At all, actually. Uh, to the point where instead, when all of your outfield got decimated, all of it, Akil Badu, Riley Green, Austin Meadows, for one way or run reason or another, all out at the same time. And rather than call up the outfielder you have in AAA who had a 900 OPS in June, had an average of over 300 in June, had a few hits on Wednesday night as well, you went out and have been putting out an outfield product that consists of Jake Marisnik, who was not part of the organization, will never be a good major league hitter, is a plus defender for sure, um, but is what, 31, 32? Tyler Nevin, who has an OPS of 400 after his walk in this ballgame, played left field in this one. Andy Abanez, who even despite two hot streaks that had, that over a multiple-week span had gave him – an OPS over a thousand on the season still has an OPS of under 700, et cetera, et cetera. I could go down the line. Uh, you did that instead of calling up Parker Meadows and giving him at bats, earmarking at bats for young players, seeing what we have in him. Now, the big, not the big, uh, there has been some sort of a rebuttal to the conversation of, oh, well, if they're not ready, they're not ready, right? Like that whole mindset. And I totally understand that. I I will completely agree with the statement that a bad Major League Baseball team is not a reason to call up a prospect. I I 100% agree with that. A player's individual development is its own entity. It is his own entity. He has his own timeline, his own program, his own set of development that is not on the schedule of how good the major league team one, two leagues above him is currently doing. Completely agree. 
That being said, there is nothing that says Parker Meadows, who is on the 40-man roster, so you don't have to make any moves to add him to the 40, when someone gets hurt and a spot is available, that he goes up and hits for a couple of weeks, and you see what you got. Because if he hits, guess what? Then your awful Major League offense, horrific product that you are putting out there on a nicely basis, has a bat in it that it didn't have two weeks ago. And guess what? If he's awful, this is going to sound crazy. A, he's not going to stand out because top to bottom it's awful. But B, you can send him back down. Crazy thing. He's never played in the majors. You haven't used any of his options yet. <laughs> right? So, that is a, a very frustrating, is I guess the word of, of the episode. Frustrating part of it. Now, if you want to say, Parker Meadows, I he needs to hit lefties better. I hate to break it to you, dog. I really hate to be the one to tell you this. He's never going to hit lefties well. Parker Meadows doesn't have 10 war MVP ceiling. He's going to be a platoon outfielder. Now, that doesn't have negative connotation. People hear platoon outfielder and are like, oh, that's so offensive. He, You'd be a platoon player and be a three or four win player, dog. You can. He's fast. He's an athlete. He, he, he can play plus defense in a big outfield. There's more righties in the world than lefties. Shout out to all my lefties. Okay. So he's going to platoon against the more common handed pitcher significantly. He'd be a very valuable player as a platoon. He just won't play when there's a good lefty on the mound. Not that hard. Kerry Carpenter does it right now. He's got an OPS over 800. It's a whole different conversation. So. Even if you are of the belief of they're not ready till they're ready, you can't do it. I agree with you. They sh- they're not ready till they're ready. Justin Henry Malloy, not even on the 40-man roster. You'd have to make a move to get him. It'd be pretty easy. There's very expendable people on the 40-man roster. But you have to do that. Colt Keith, same conversation. Not even on the 40-man yet. Will be this winter. Has to be this winter. So you get my drift. Like, this isn't a, this isn't me coming on here and being like, call everybody up. This is ridiculous. Now that bleeds over into a different conversation where clearly this team has zero interest in winning baseball games in 2023. We'll elaborate on that right after this. All right, everybody. Welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Uh, So before the break, uh, we had said that this team clearly just has no interest in in winning baseball games this year. Um, My my reasoning behind saying that, you know, don't just want to throw a blanketed statement out there. Um, I don't, I don't enjoy, I know some of you are going to laugh and, and probably disagree with this. Um, I don't enjoy just complaining just to complain. 
I I I think I th- I think content like my content at least should be trying to to elaborate on why I feel the way I do about things, which is what I'm trying to articulate in this episode. I don't like just saying like everything sucks, this is awful, and and you know what I mean. Um, so when I say this team has no interest in winning, the reason I say that is because you will never convince me that Tyler Nevin and as much as I hate to say it, Eric Haas, and he's been solid lately, but Andy Abanez, like these guys getting major league at bats over people like Parker Meadows, et cetera, et cetera. Like the, how can I put this blatantly? The 26 best players in the organization are not the Detroit Tigers 26 man roster. That is the simplest way I can put it. And again, it, 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 I understand long-term player development. I, I promise you I do. I, and I hope that it has come across that I am not just saying like, call everybody up no matter what. If you truly don't think that they're ready, that's a hard pill to swallow. That's a big slap in the face and I hate it. But I can at least understand the logic behind that statement. But the Meadows is really the one I keep going back to because he's on the 40, man. It'd be so easy. It'd be so easy to get him a cup of coffee, let him play two weeks. Call him up last week, give him to the all-star break. You can send him back down, whatever. I think Evan Woodbury of M Live said something similar on Twitter as well. But the fact of the matter is, fact, objective, that the 26 best players in the organization are not all on the Detroit Tigers roster. That is beyond true. And going into the season, no one expected this team to be a good baseball team. Uh, the only reason we're even really having this like deep philosophical conversation is because the division's awful, right? If the twins were 10 games over 500 and we were 14 games out of first place, this wouldn't be as as impactful of a loss as I think it is. Oh, well, maybe. The A's are just really awful. People would still be upset, for sure. People get upset over every loss, I promise. Um, but I think it's the fact that, like, we have... Erod and school did come back, and we have people coming back, and we were only four games out of it. And we had a three-game set against the worst team a lot of people have ever seen. And you're getting your teeth kicked in by them. I also think that within this conversation of whether to call people up or send people down, that the Tigers have a lot of people have pointed out just the, the blatant lack of development throughout this organization, pretty much in a lot of people's entire lifetimes. For me, I personally, and again, agree, disagree, whatever. I personally have seen a lot of growth in minor league player development over the last several years, quite a lot. However, major league development is real. It's a thing. It's a very important thing. Not every single player that is in the major leagues right now crushed it in the minors. 
I'm not going to say most, but like there's a healthy chunk actually of players currently playing in the major leagues right now that don't have 900 plus OPSs in the minor leagues. A lot. There's a healthy chunk of, of major leaguers right now that didn't have an OPS over 800 in the minor leagues. Pretty, pretty sizable chunk. It's a real thing. And that's the whole point of the minors. You want to get promoted. You want to do well. You want to advance. But growth isn't linear in the world. It's not linear. It's not for for anything. Your job, uh, your, I don't know if you're in school, like your, your knowledge on a certain subject. I mean, golly, my therapist tells me every Friday that my, my mental health journey isn't linear, right? Like nothing is. And, and, and player growth and player development is not linear. Kerry Carpenter was a nothing prospect two years ago. Anyone who tells you this dude well, like has always been, you know, killing it. Or like this guy was a, was a top prospect and everybody knew he was going to be great is lying through their teeth. No one even knew who he was two calendar years ago. And he dominated last year in the minors. He raked. And he's earned everything, and now he's raking in the majors, and it's awesome. And there are players that do okay in the minors, come to the majors, and then do well. There's several stories of that, of players that that are, you know, not like awful in the minors, but like are uh, like they're solid, but it's not anything crazy. Get to the majors. Player development continues through the major league level. I cannot stress that enough. And this is really the thing I'm the most passionate about. This team has been historically awful at that for so long. And again, the last couple of years, they I I I see it with my own eyes. I I, I finally see a tangible evidence of improved player development in the minor leagues. But there is still little to none at the major league level. Players that do well in the minors, they make the majors, and then what? They completely flatline. And Riley Green had a great May, and Kerry Carpenter has had a great, like, 80 games at the major league level. Outside of those two, offensively, it is few and far between, dog. It really is. You remember last year in May? When Cody Clemens had like an eight something, eight fifty OPS down in Toledo, and everybody's like, "This offense sucks." Call up Cody Clemens, and they finally did. And what? He was so incredibly unproductive at the major league level for the rest of uh, of the season, and then he just got demoted in Philly. He went off to a little bit of a heater, hit some home runs, some pinch hit homers and whatnot as a bench bat in Philly for the first half of the year. And now was back in Toledo. And like, again, development isn't linear. I'm not saying he can't still be some someday. I'm rooting for the kid. He's a great dude. But like, that's that, that is my point it is consistently. We see time and time again, good minor league talent that comes up to the majors and just lays an egg. And so I think for me personally, the conversation 
around some of these players would be significantly different if anyone, the president of baseball operations included, actually believed that any of these dudes could continue to progress and get better at the major league level. And he doesn't, and I don't, and you don't, and nobody does. And it's it, it, it's so gut-wrenching. It, it's so disheartening. And the Tigers are going to win another game, right? The, the, they're they're going to win a lot more games <laughs> the rest of this season. A lot is relative. They're going to go probably under 500 the rest of the way. But, like, that's still, you know, whatever, 20, 30 wins. We're in July. They're going to win ball games. They're not going to lose, like, by 10 to every other team. If they play the A's again, they might not even get destroyed by the A's again. Don't clip that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're going to win. This isn't, they're, they're not going to lose out. They're not going to be the worst team ever. The A's are going to have a worse season than the Tigers after game 162. But the principle and the message that is being sent by this organization time and time again is just so frustrating and disheartening, dog. I I don't know. Does that does any of this make sense? I'm not saying that the solution is to call everybody up. There is no solution. This team is bad. And three rookies are not going to change that. Meadows, Justin Henry Malloy, Colt Keith. You call all three of them up tomorrow. This offense is still in the gutter the rest of the year. But I can almost assure you, almost, that they're going to have an OPS over 400, which is Tyler Nevins currently. Or that they're going to have... Numbers that maybe at the floor of production are Jake Marisnik's, which is a 203 average and a 590 OPS after the Grand Slam the other day. I mean, just look through this lineup. Jonathan Scope, a 550 OPS. Javi's not going anywhere, but a 579 OPS. Andy Ibanez down to 667. And again, that's with two Two-week stretches this year with an OPS over 1,000. It's still not even 700. Zach Short down to a 648 OPS. Like, so while, while calling everyone up does not fix all of your problems, and these dudes aren't going to come up and be world beaters. They wouldn't. Parker Meadows is going to come up. He won't get any opportunities against lefties. I don't think he should immediately get opportunities against lefties. But if you truly are earmarking at-bats for young players to help them with their major league development, then bleeping do it. And that kind of transitions into like the Kerry Carpenter not in the lineup thing again today as well. I understand that A.J. Hinch's job is to win every single day. And Scott Harris might be thinking a little more long-term, and Hinch might be thinking more day-to-day, et cetera, et cetera, whatever you want to say. Earmark some at-bats for Kerry Carpenter against left-handed hitting. 
Because why not? Jonathan Scope, Tyler Nevin, Andy Abanez, and Eric Haas should not be getting at bats to the point where we're not even sure if this dude can or can't really hit lefties at the major league level. His numbers aren't awful in the minors. His OPS is like in the mid-700s against lefties across the minors. And he has a tiny sample size in the majors against lefties. It's like 1,000 this year, but it's like 15 at-bats or 20 at-bats or something. And then last year, it was like a low 700s maybe OPS against. But we have yet to see him have like a 500 OPS against left-handed hitting. I just want some clarity. I just want some some development to be able to happen at the major league level. If you don't want to call all three of them up because you don't think that all three of them are ready, fine. If you don't want to call all three of them up because uh, the timing isn't right at the major league level, fine. I don't even disagree with that. I think you're probably right. But we have to admit a few things to each other. One, that this team is not trying to win. And some of you have realized that from opening day, and some of you are just realizing it now. This was the wake-up call. Regardless, that's a that's an objective truth that we can understand and grasp at this point. Two, we have to acknowledge that it is, in fact, possible to continue developing, developing at the major league level if you were to call even one of them up. Maybe the one on the 40-man roster, because that's easiest. It doesn't matter to me. But other teams do it all the time. All the time. So often. You know how many stars, like legitimate stars in this game were terrible in their first stint in the majors and then came back, developed, and turned into legitimately some of the best players ever? Go look at Mike Trout's September call-up in 2011. Go look at Aaron Judge's September call-up in 2015 or whatever. The list goes on and on and on. Player development does not stop when you make the majors. So this notion and this thought that if you were to call them up, they have to be 100% ready and they, they, they have to be able to face major league pitching today and they have to be productive they have to have ops pluses over 100 they have to be better than major league average hitters they have to have ops's in the high 700s their wrc plus better be over 100 they better look like absolute studs up here or else they're not ready is preposterous that has never been how baseball has worked it never will be how baseball works You can continue getting better at the major league level. And we were told that at-bats were going to be earmarked for that exact reason. And instead, 30-year-old 4A guys are prioritized at-bats at the major league level. That's all I'm saying. Not a, a, a cry to get all of them here. Not even necessarily a cry that any of them have to be here tomorrow. But just a a philosophical issue that I have with what we've been told, what this fan base believes now, what I believe now. Everyone is just of the mindset now that 
Well, major league development, right? Like it, it doesn't exist here. What you see is what you get. It's not how it works. It's never been how it works. It never will be. Um, I didn't talk at all about this baseball game. So I apologize for that. I know that that is um, my job, I guess. But I I can't imagine that anybody wanted me to list off exactly why the Tigers lost 12-3 to of the Oakland Athletics. I think this is a much more timely conversation. I appreciate you all greatly. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Like I said at the beginning, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, the uh, the subscriber numbers and whatnot certainly help me and help the show. Um, I appreciate you all so much. I really do. Um, what else do I have to say? I love you all. I do. I uh, I appreciate all the support that you continue to give this show and me. Um, I never take it for granted. I hope you realize that. I try to be as appreciative and and open about that as I possibly can. Um, and if you are still, I had somebody reply. I can't give credit because I don't remember the name, so I apologize for that. But I had somebody reply to one of my tweets and say, uh, at least you're getting paid to watch this game. I'm doing it for free. And that is why I love y'all. Because you're all here for a reason. It's because you care about the Detroit Tigers. And we all do. And the reason that... what You you can disagree with everything I just said. You you can. You, you can say, this, that doesn't make any sense. Whatever. I wholeheartedly disagree whatever whatever the fact of the matter is we all want the same thing we all just want this team to be good again it's been almost a decade i'm in my mid-20s i'm in my so peek behind the curtain for those who maybe were unaware i'm in my mid-20s okay like mid mid mid-20s and the last time the tigers made the postseason i did not have my driver's license yet. Last time they won a playoff series, at least, for sure. I did not have my driver's license yet. <laughs> so we all want the same thing. So remember to be nice to each other. You can disagree and still have healthy debate. That's what makes sports awesome. Uh, and at the end of the day, just remember... The person, whatever you disagree with, you agree with, etc. They're all fans of the same team at the end of the day. All right. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. And uh, I will catch you all tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit. Uh, assuming we don't just top this and lose like 20 to nothing. We'll actually talk about baseball tomorrow. Uh, we'll probably throw in some some info about this game as well. I do want to talk about how Erod looked. Um, that's pretty much the only thing I want to talk about in this ball game. So we'll kind of just save that for tomorrow. All right. Peace and love going to therapy's dope. I'll catch y'all then baby. Go Tigers. Hey, prime members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.